the book of Acts, chapter 10. Uh, We're going to be reading from verses 1 through to 8 out of the book of Acts, chapter 10. Donald Trump. The mixed reviews he receives. How do you feel when you hear that name, Donald Trump? You know, the truth is is that there was a man that made a a viral video. He went to Starbucks, and when he went to Starbucks, uh, they ask you what name you want uh, written on the cup, uh, uh, you know, saying, uh, uh, you know, who's your, what what is your name? And so, you know, throughout history, people would just kind of, you know, they'll write funny names, Winston uh, or, you know, Agnes, and and, and then they're calling out the the name. And so this man made uh, headlines because he wanted on his name... Uh, he, on, on the cup, name uh, Trump, and the uh, barista at Starbucks refused to do it. In 2016, the world was rocked by the results in America when Donald Trump was elected to be the President of United States of America. On one side, you had Hillary Clinton, uh, who should be in jail and on the other side you have a man who has fathered uh, children by three wives made his wealth in gam- in the gambling industry and was well known for using some of the most vulgar and degrading language Im- uh, imaginable it was a complete shock when this man became the president of what's supposed to be a christian nation This man would go on to make stands on pro-life, same-sex marriage, and even on the stance with Israel. Donald Trump went and broke the common code, and despite what you may read about him and see on the news very regularly, this man has single-handedly changed the course of America by bringing back Christianity. He is, was seen being laid hands on by many of the evangelicals, pastors. He was also allowing praise and worship back again into the White House to be able to have services there. And so this absolutely was radical compared to Osama, I mean Obama, who ultimately uh, uh, tried to destroy America in the very few years that he was the president. Now again, is he a Christian? I don't know. Is he going to heaven? Who knows? There are a lot of things that, you know, you kind of look at his life. It doesn't measure up. But has God used his life? Absolutely. Was this a move of God to get him in power instead of Hillary Clinton? A hundred percent. There's a book called God and Donald Trump. You need to get that, add that to your library. Prophecies that were made uh, many years ago uh, by men... uh, uh, of the faith that have uh, prophesied Donald Trump would become president and, and have become and, and as a result has come to pass and so uh, very profound at what's happening right now in our world 
Now, in the passage of Scripture we're about to read, here is a man that is uh, not of the Jewish faith, not of the Jewish descendants, but God begins to speak to his life directly, uh, and he is visited by a man in a vision that instructs him to make a meeting with Peter, one of the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What happens at this meeting transforms the gospel from that day forward. I want to preach to you a sermon entitled, uh, A Gentile's Greatness, out of the book of Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through to 8. The Bible says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose name, surname is Peter. He is lodged with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Uh, Gentiles' greatness. I want to look firstly this morning at straight out of Caesarea. What's profound about this passage of Scripture is that it centers around a city called Caesarea. And Caesarea was named after a great Roman patriot called Augustus Caesar. King Herod built this city in the first century BC in honor of Augustus and he very rightly made this place, spent more money and invested into Caesarea because he wanted to honor the Caesar at that time. And so this was a big city. It was so big that it was known as the second capital of Judea, the first ultimately being Jerusalem. The city itself was mainly non-Jewish people, a pagan city which ultimately meant there was a lot of idolatry and false god worship. This city had one of the bigger temples of the goddess Rome. And if you could just imagine, in amongst the Jewish nation, in amongst the Jewish people, right in the center, or if not to the side, was this city, Caesarea, that ultimately was by the city, a port that was closest to Rome, that was used as a way to traffic things from Rome directly to, uh, 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 to uh, uh, Judea. And so through that became a very prominent and very powerful place. This meant the city was actually a headquarters for the Roman army, where ultimately they would establish their authority, 
We know that in the time of Jesus uh, that the Romans were uh, uh, in the city and they were govern- they were the governing authorities. They uh, had reverence and we see this throughout the, uh, the Gospels uh, where the Jews approach Jesus and say, how much should we tithe to uh, Caesar? Should we give our finances? And Jesus replies, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And so this was a, a very big influence uh, in their lives, even though it was contrary contrary to everything that they stood for as Jewish people. Now, living in a pagan city, we have a a household that ultimately would be surrounded by the Roman customs, and yet, instead of submitting to those customs, Cornelius and his household were known as God-fearing people. Verse uh, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 2, the Bible says, A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now notice uh, that he prayed to God. The Bible says he prayed to God always, uh, not to God's. And so this ultimately uh, helps us to understand uh, that Cornelius was a monotheist, uh, which means he served one God as opposed uh, to what the Romans believed to believe, uh, uh, to worship many gods and many different idols. Truth be told, uh, this is not uh, true today when it comes to uh, the generation we live in today. Witnessing just yesterday... And going through the streets there in Helensvale and advertising our church and trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I come across a, a lot of young people that uh, are uh, uh, in absolute disarray when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to God and uh, who is the one true God and is there a a purpose for our lives and challenging uh, the young lives. It's more apparent today, the younger the generation uh, that is living a life uh, with, uh, with a lack of understanding that there's only one God and one way to heaven. This wasn't true 20 years ago, can we say amen? 20 years ago, we were praying in schools. 20 years ago, we were being instructed to read our Bibles and and do some form of religion. Today, parents are writing letters. I don't want my kid involved in any type of brainwashing religion. And we can see the devastating effects of that today. Because as a result, just like Caesarea's physical location being a port by the sea uh, would allow all the uh, ships coming in uh, and docking uh, and, uh, and and being involved in all types of uh, uh, influences from across the seas. Uh, Australia, founded on Christian principles, uh, is, is, a, is a nation now that is greatly affected and influenced by the neighboring countries with their false religion, with their false idols, and what a tragedy it is today when we speak to young lives and we try to tell them about heaven and hell and, 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 and we're met with this blank stare of, is there a God? Is Jesus real? We can see today the devastating effects of worshipping multiple gods. Number one is morals have dropped. You know, it's amazing at how, you know, sinners will say, well, you know, 
If there was no God, there is no, you know, if, just because Jesus came and he taught about morals doesn't mean that if we don't believe in God, we, we, we will live moralless lives. The truth is, is that we still have to lock our doors, don't we? That every day we have to, uh, 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 you know, prevent, you know, try to stop people uh, from trying to infiltrate our lives and, and hurt us because the truth is uh, morals have dropped. We've seen more increase uh, in uh, rape, uh, in murder uh, than ever before. It's an epidemic. Uh, and the tragedy is, is that the media would rather report on puppies uh, or whales being uh, uh, you know, caught up in nets uh, than what the real world is going through, what our neighboring cities are faced with uh, when it comes to crime, when it comes to murder, when it comes to kidnapping. Uh, that is an issue today uh, that the government and the people would rather suppress and not talk about the greenies would rather promote their lifestyle debaucherous lifestyle than really get down to the nitty gritty morals have dropped all because of devastated uh, all because of worshiping multiple gods the second reality is that there's a pride of knowledge today science has become the trend that, oh, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't have faith in God. I believe in science. What does that even mean? And you ask and you scratch the surface of science and you realize that they don't believe in science. They don't even know what they actually believe in. I read an article that said over 500 doctoral scientists have now signed a statement publicly expressing their skepticism about the contemporary theory of Darwinism evolution. That's over 500 scientists that have now stated uh, 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 publicly, we do not believe as scientists uh, in De uh, Darwinism's evolution. The scientific dissent from Darwinism's statement reads, we are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence of Darwinism theory should be encouraged. And that is a no-brainer. How many know something, nothing cannot create something? And so here is the scientists that are finally removing themselves from the pride of knowledge, uh, from being indoctrinated by lies, uh, coming to their senses and saying, uh, what we have been raised in, what we've been told to believe is absolutely not true. And yet you talk about it to people today and it's absolute truth. That's, pr that's the pride of knowledge. You say, you know what, that's a theory. It's not true. No, no, no. Oh, oh, no, no. Absolutely. Evolution is real. You challenge them, show me one example of a change in kind. And they go, oh, well, you know, germs became another germ. It's still a germ. Oh, well, you know, you, you, you have a, you know, you know, a, a wolf and a dog, uh, you know, and, and, a, and a German shepherd. It's still a dog. It has not changed into a horse or a lion. And so that's pride that has ultimately clouded the judgment because of the worship of multiple gods. Thirdly, you have a purposeless life. 
Let me read to you an article of a US man in his mid-40s. He's dedicated the past 20 years to knitting sweaters that match each city, landmark, and interesting place that he visits. These sweaters have now become a viral reality uh, that as a result, people hire him to come to their city uh, to view one of the landmarks, knit them a, a, a jumper, a sweater, and as a result, being ready to pay uh, up to 50,000 US dollars. Woo! Imagine... Sam Barsky standing before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What did you do with your life? Well, I met some very nice sweaters. It's going to get hot where you're going. You don't need sweaters. It's purposeless life. That there should be more to life. Can anybody say amen to just existing? Now here is this man, and I'm telling you, Caesarea was the cesspool in Judea when it came to unclean, immoral lives. We know the Romans lived immoral lives. And one man, Cornelius, in the very midst of that, begins to cry out to one God, and he is visited by that God in a vision. The question is, can anything good come out of Caesarea? Absolutely. So I want to look secondly this morning at a clear vision. Cornelius was known as a man of power and authority. Much like the centurion that came to Jesus in Matthew 8, 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus responds and says, that amount of faith I have not even seen amongst the Jewish people, amongst my own people. And here is a centurion who understands this reality. Cornelius was much like this uh, centurion that ultimately understood uh, authority and power and lived on that, under that reality. We see that later on, Cornelius sends these men to find Peter in Joppa. In verse 8, the Bible says, uh, So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them away to Joppa. This, meant, this man had... Uh, the servants who waited upon him continually every single day. These were maids. Uh, these were servants. They helped out his life. Uh, and this ultimately shows us, to under, uh, uh, shows us uh, that he was under authority, that he understood this. He was a man of power and influence. And yet he's a man who receives a vision from God. He lives in a city that's contrary to what God's Word says. He's under authority in a governing authority that ultimately doesn't submit to God. But he receives a vision. So what are the attributes that Cornelius reflects? Number one, the Bible says that he feared God. That this was his life, that he not only lived his life to what uh, the Bible said, uh, uh, sorry, uh, not, a, not just to what uh, the, the customs, uh, but he lived his life to what God's word said. And as a result, he uh, would pray and seek God and he feared him. C.S. Lewis uh, describes this as one who is uh, filled with awe. 
in which you feel wonder and a certain shrinking or a sense of inadequacy to cope with such a visitation of or a prostration before it. It is a fear that comes forth out of love for the Lord. And so here is C.S. Lewis. He understands that it's not just a fear that causes you to tremble, but it's a fear that causes you to fall at your knees and ask God for guidance to seek Him and understand that we are so inadequate when it comes to the realities of life. The parable of the unjust steward in Matthew 25, verse 24 through to 25, the Bible says he had a wrong view of his master. He feared him. He felt as though he was a ruthless man. And so the Bible says, I was afraid and so I hid my talent. That is contrary to what we're speaking about today. When we're speaking about a fear of God, it's not one that stops us from aspiring to be used by God. It's not one that stops us from being in His presence that says, I'm a wicked person, I shouldn't go to church. It's one that says, I want to be in your presence because I know you're the only one that can change me. It was a healthy fear of God. Number two is Cornelius gave liberally. They say a man's heart is revealed by the kindness he does to someone who cannot do anything to him in return. Isn't it amazing at how today we are living in a time of extreme riches and wealth? But everywhere you go where the gospel has been imparted, you'll see that even in the third world nations, people who give are better off than those who keep. People who tithe, people who pledge, people who are liberal are more blessed than those who hoard their money, keep it for themselves. I mentioned uh, Jonathan Hallinan, lonely at the top, 866 million problems. <laughs> What a, poor, what a problem to have, hey? I'm just so rich, I can't have any friends. But that's, 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 that's the insanity. John Wesley said these words, Make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And John Wesley changed the world for Jesus Christ. He was not a poor man. He was not someone that was scrounging around for money. Uh, ultimately, God used his life powerfully. It's a liberal heart. Number three, it has to do with praying always. We notice how a major part of Christianity is lived out through our prayer life. Can anybody say amen? That you will only have as much as you are willing to pray for. That if you are not praying regularly if you're not seeking the presence of god your christian life will only be as good as your prayer life is it will only go as far as your prayer life takes you god wants to pour out his blessings upon your life uh, and yet when it comes to prayer uh, when it comes to uh, spending time with god in audible prayer where we lift up our needs and lift up uh, the realities of our lives that we face every single day uh, we struggle to 
do this in our prayer lives. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoice in hope, patience, and in tribulation, continually steadfast in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18, pray always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Can I just say to you that the closer we draw to the end times, we need to be a people of prayer. That it's interesting at how here is a man who dedicated his life to prayer. He was praying regularly. He was seeking the face of God regularly. And no wonder he receives a visitation from God. Can I say to you, when you pray, you're speaking to God. And He is hearing you. Why is it that we struggle to tune into that? Why is it that when it comes to prayer, we are out of time or we're too tired? Listen to me. Every part of your Christian life needs to be expressed through a prayer life. Cornelius knew what it meant to touch God. Life is more than just existing. This vision was able to reveal the heart of Cornelius. God knew this man could be trusted. God knew this man was a God-fearing man, a praying man, a giving man. You attribute those things to every Christian that you know that is a successful Christian, you'll see that those three things in their life. They fear God, they give, and they pray. You note it down. It's not a mystery. It's not a wonder. It's not a special DNA gene that you've been given that makes you a holy person. Noah wasn't chosen because he was the best of the best of the best. He was chosen because he loved God. The same can be true about our lives. So I want to look thirdly and in closing at this, the saved household. What we see in Scripture is fulfilled through an Old Testament, uh, uh, Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah 56 verse 7, the Bible says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. This passage of Scripture that we read in the book of Acts chapter 10 is a fulfillment of the book of Isaiah, prophecy that ultimately brings that reality to life. A house of prayer for all the nations. Jews believed that they were the only ones who were going to make heaven their home. Jews believed that they were the only ones uh, 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 godly enough. They were God's chosen people. And yet here is a prophecy uh, in the book of Isaiah that brings this to light today. Uh, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a Gentile, begins to cry out and his prayers are received and heard. This transcends most of the religious minds. For those who believe you've got to make your You've got to earn your way to heaven. You've got to be of a certain class or a certain people. Uh, somewhere de in the depths of idolatry and false religion uh, was a man who cried out for the truth uh, and God met him. I believe this even more today. 
that it's more than just coming to church. It's more than just a religious practice. We have to get into the habit of wanting to touch God. I want to hear from God. Can anybody say amen? I want God to speak to me. I want God to visit me. I want God to make Himself real to me in every area of my life. And can I just say to you that even as the day approaches when Jesus Christ is coming back, now is the time to begin to seek God. Now is the time to cry out for truth because there are people that are perishing every single day and without the hope of the gospel, they are stepping into eternity, going to hell. Uh, for an eternal damnation uh, we need to stand up we need to rise up uh, be men and women of prayer that would cry out for truth uh, and pray for a visitation this was the first Gentile the first Gentile that received a visitation from God then went on to have a meeting with Peter that transformed the world today. Cornelius was instructed, send for Peter. Hear his words, but what happened next was more than one could ever dreamed of. Let me read to you in verse 44 through to 46. Bible says these words. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as, uh, as, many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they had heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter uh, magnifying God. Peter have never, had never seen this. A Roman centurion, a Roman soldier, an Italian, speaking in tongues. The first Gentile filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues right there in Acts chapter 10. That's hope for each and every one of us. You have to recognize you and I are Gentiles. Unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. And God can speak to Gentiles. God can speak to those who come from a long line of idolatry, of ancestral worship, speaking to the dead, crystal worship, all types of different uh, uh, seances and, and you know, uh, black magic. Uh, God can save you. God can set you free. God can visit you, uh, make you an instrument for the kingdom of heaven. Who knows what doors were opened through this one man, Cornelius. And how such a powerful port where Caesarea was, uh, where this man began to just share the gospel. And you read it in your own time. He invited his family and his friends. Uh, when Peter arrived, he wanted all of his, uh, uh, the people that were connected to him to hear what Peter had to say. And they were all saved. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. That's an incredible promise for each and every one of us. You and I, if we are 
humble, if we're willing to hear the words of what God has written down for us and apply them to our lives, we too can have our lives transformed, our families transformed, our household saved from eternal damnation, saved from the fires of hell and ultimately given a purpose, a direction, a clear vision of all God can do in our lives. I challenge you. Do we have any Corneliuses in this house? Any men that would rise up and say, you know what, I'm going to fear God. Isn't it interesting that one man and the family gets saved? One man got his heart right and the family got saved. What about you this morning? Fathers? Husbands? Can I speak to the Cornelius inside and say, rise up? Be a man of God. Fear God. What about the women in this church? Women who would be women of God and fear God. Create an atmosphere in the home that would allow God to move supernaturally. Teach the children the principles that the Bible speaks about. Because I believe that God wants to do something demonstrable in these last days and we are a part of that all we have to do is just like Cornelius did feared God gave and prayed let's ask God to minister through our lives and let's see how God can save our households I want every head bowed and every eye closed no one moving around just for a few moments presence of God is in this place